are back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. Roanoke, September 1962. Two young women meet at a conservative all-girls college. A few states and a few weeks away, President Kennedy orders U.S. Marshals to escort James Meredith past rioters to attend the University of Mississippi. But Daniela Gold, a middle-class girl from Washington, D.C., and Eve Whalen from Atlanta's Upper Crust are consumed by pledging to the right sorority. Well, they are soon both rocked by the shifting tectonic plates of America in the 1960s. Susan Rebecca White's new novel, We Are All Good People, follows the pair as their paths in life and activism diverge, and when 30 years later, their choices reverberate on the lives of their daughters. Susan Rebecca White is going to be at the Decatur Book Festival on Saturday, August 31st. She's at Tall Tales Books on Thursday, the 15th, that's next week, at the Peachtree Street branch of the Atlanta Public Library on the 21st, and her book Lunch is at the Carter Center this Saturday at 6. You are all over the place. <laughs> so glad to have you with us now. Thank you so much for having me, Virginia. So a little background here. Eve Whalen and Daniela Gold, they roomed together. They hit it off immediately. But a few early interactions exposed their differences. I'm thinking of a conversation they have about manners. Can you set that up for us? Um, yes. So... Daniela, as she grew up in Georgetown, and her father is a history professor, and her father is Jewish, and her mother is Methodist, and they sort of split the difference by taking Daniela to the Unitarian Church. And so, and Daniela's mother um, campaigned for JFK, so she's she's got a little bit of kind of an activist spirit. It's kind of nascent at this point, and Eve is just from deep, deep deep within the Atlanta, Buckhead, debutante, private school, very sheltered world. And there are black housekeepers who live in the basements of the dorms um, of where they of, of their college in Virginia. And Daniela starts asking questions like, how much do they get paid? What happens if someone gets sick? Um, what happens if someone needs to take care, if a housekeeper needs to take care of a sick family member? And Daniela wants to start sort of interrogating the maids about this, and in particular, Miss Eugenia, who is the woman who um, works in their particular dorm. And Eve keeps saying, that's so rude, that's so rude, you can't ask these questions, it's impolite. And Daniela says, um, these codes are set up to keep everyone in their place. Mm-hmm. And Eve sort of looks startled and kind of blinks like she might start to cry. And Daniela has this sort of this tinge of guilt of like feeling bad for making Eve feel bad for even pointing this out. But it and and it starts to sort of get its seed inside of Eve, certainly. And she 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 has her own nascent activism. In fact, when Daniela is not admitted to the choice sorority called Fleur at the Belmont, that's your fictional school where they are, uh, she she because she's Jewish. I mean, it, that's what we suppose because she's told what. Yeah. So, so Eve is a double legacy to Fleur. They have local sororities, not national sororities. And, um, and Eve, Daniela probably wouldn't have even gone through Rush, but Eve is like, of course you're a Fleur. You need to do this. And Daniela gets quite swept up in, in Eve's world. It's, it's quite lovely. It, it's quite lovely, um, at least on the surface. And so Daniela goes through Rush and they make it through the first round of parties. And then, and then, yes, she just gets cut and it's confusing and no one can figure out what happened. And Daniela immediately says, oh, 
it's because my dad's Jewish. And Eve is like, I refuse to believe that. That is not how things work. And, And then Eve finds out through her grandmother this sort of original floor legacy that indeed that was true. And her grandmother's going to try to work under the scenes to let Daniela slip in. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, she cannot. And uh, uh, Eve decides, like, I'm pulling out a fleur then. And it's this is there's such a great scene, her grandmother. um, And she keeps her grandmother's tea set in her dorm room, by the way. I mean, there are all these old protocols. She comes to put a stop to all that. And it's such a well-written scene. Can you maybe describe, like, how you conjured that up? Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, so... Just just to back up a little bit, the story of this beautiful young woman being friends with all of the kind of in crowd at her college and then getting sort of abruptly cut from all the sororities, that happened to my college roommate's mother. Um, when she went through Rush at Chapel Hill in the early 1960s, and she was sort of a campus beauty and a campus leader and was friends with all the girls in the top houses, and then at the last round, cut from all of them. And she talked to a dean, and the dean basically said, well, you're Jewish, and your parents are divorced. Wow. So that was enough. So there you have it. So so that story had really stayed with me. And then I also had in my head this story of a friend of mine from a sort of old Atlanta family, and she decided not to go through Rush. And her mother had said, this is a, a decision that will have serious repercussions and haunt you for the rest of your life or something <laughs> to that extent. And so I had that voice in my head when I was thinking about um, Grandmommy. And Grandmommy, in her world, this is a deeply important um, institution that she belongs to. And she wears her floor pin still. She's buried in her floor pin. So when she finds out that Eve is dropping out, she is so distraught that she has her driver take her up to Roanoke to try to talk sense into Eve. And it's at that moment that she that that grandmommy decides, I'll just I'll just talk to the alumni committee and get them to straighten things out. And Eve, it's like the veil has been lifted and she is horrified. And she had no idea that all of these codes and machinations were in place. She Mm -hmm. she really didn't know. And she is um, a pretty impetuous and fiery woman at heart. And so when she starts to see all of this, it's like she wakes up fast. Yeah, uh, it, it's so, so funny because grandmama, it, grandmother is like looking at Danielle and saying, well, you're not flashy at all. I know, <laughs> you know like I know. Her idea of Jewish people. And then she allows herself to have butter on her muffin, like it's some sort of act of rebellion to have butter. But we do get this, you know, budding social justice warrior in uh, Eve. Certainly she takes up this other cause advocating for Miss Eugenia, the maid that you mentioned who lives in the basement of the residence hall. And that really backfires. Uh, you know, Miss Eugenia basically pays the price for this. And this brings up a question that becomes really central in their lives. Like, how much control does one have as a witness, as a citizen to affect change? And what's the best way? Is it in the system? Is it outside of it? And I wondered about your own investigation yeah. of that. Yeah, thank you. That's a huge question that I still struggle with. Um, I think one of the things that... You know, I don't know if it was, um, oh man, I'm blanking on his name, but there was a, a leader in the civil rights movement, and I believe in the early 60s when um, white and black kids were going to Mississippi to try to register voters. And he basically said, interrogate your motives first. Hmm. Like, first find out 
Am I trying to um, make my parents mad? Am I running from something? Am I running to this thing to avoid something in my own life? So I think that activism that is kind of rooted in one's own um, inner pathology, in one's own sort of expressing of discontent in, in your life. Like if you're a white person and you're activating, your, your activism is around bringing civil rights to black people, but it's really rooted in wanting to make your dad mad. Mm. You're not going to be any help at all. You sort of need to decenter yourself. I think you need to have a lot of humility. You need to um, do as much research as you can, and you need to listen to people whose lives are actually affected um, by the systems that you're trying to change. Yeah, so my guest is Susan Rebecca White. Her new novel is We Are All Good People, and it follows two women from the 1960s to the late 80s as they follow different political paths in a time of extreme change. And this, what you were just talking about, like what are they carrying into this really comes up. They go to college. They both drop out of Belmont. They go to Barnard. You know, they're in New York City. um, And it's kind of embodied in the men they choose. You know, Eve meets Warren St. Clair, a compelling radical. Uh, Daniela meets Pete, who's much more conservative, but, you know, foot on the ground kind of guy. But their paths really split here. Uh, When Daniela goes to Mississippi to register people to vote, Eve stays with Warren. Daniela's writing letters about threats uh, to civil rights workers and the people who house them. I think that's the important thing. She's thinking about them. And Eve feels this kind of jealousy. Um, Daniela feels disloyal but exalted. So we can begin to see how people make themselves okay with their choices. But they have the privilege to make choices. What are you getting at here? What's the difference between their experiences? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love both of these characters, but I think on a like on the most simplistic level, I definitely think that the way that Daniela navigates her activism is the better way, <laughs> not to be too <laughs> polar or didactic. Um, Eve, so there was the Mississippi Summer Project. Um, where black people in Mississippi had been trying to bring attention to the fact that if you tried to register to vote as a black person, you would often be kicked off your land, you could be fired from your job, you could be beaten, you could be lynched. And they weren't getting much traction because the nation would not pay attention if it was only if the violence was only happening on black bodies, Mm. um, which I think has um, resonance and relevance for today. And so they said, we need white volunteers to go down too. that's going to make the nation pay attention. And that's what um, Daniela did. And Eve, they, they actually had an application process, which I didn't know, but I found out in researching for this book. So you had to apply to do this program. And Eve applied as well, and she was rejected. And and in, you kind of get a sort of hint that in her application, she talks about how she's going to do this to make up for what she did to Miss Eugenia, which inadvertently got Miss Eugenia fired. And I, my guess is that the people reading the applications were like, okay, this is all about her. It's not actually about this, the, you know, what's going on in the real very high stakes that are, that are at stake right here. So she gets rejected, and she feels in her brain Daniela choosing to go down to Mississippi, even though Eve got rejected, is as if Eve had stayed in Fleur, 
when Daniela got cut. Mm-hmm. And so she, it's all very personal and very um, close to her own story. And Daniela, and Daniela probably has the um, fault maybe of, of sometimes coming across as maybe a little holier than thou, but she keeps saying, we have to depersonalize. And like, this isn't about us being heroes. We get to come down here and we really, we're at a little bit of risk but we're not at risk the way that the black citizens of this state are at risk. And when we leave, the black citizens who housed us are going to be in real danger. And I'm and, and Daniela becomes so acutely aware of that when she's in Mississippi, where Eve is not there and is kind of seething and just feeling so left out. Mm-hmm. And she becomes more radical. Absolutely. She joins Smash. This is almost like a kind of weatherman, uh, you know, that she's living in cruddy apartments with people who throw around statements that they pretty much fetishize the Viet Cong. You know, yes. uh, this is during the anti-Vietnam War era. Call their parents pigs. Uh, I'm I'm curious about how you learned about how they lived, because that comes across very clearly, that kind of, let's say, surface kind of dedication. Yes. So, you know, I was always really interested and admiring of um, the the anti-war activist in the 60s. But in uh, 2003, I watched a documentary called The Weather Underground, which um, took a deep dive into this particular radical splinter of SDS, which was Students for Democratic Society. And the Weather Underground essentially decided that um, that the American government had to come down and that they, a group of very privileged, all-white young people, were going to be the vanguard who did this and that by doing so, the working class and the black people of America would join them and they would bring down the American government. So it was sort of hubris at its extreme. And it kind of started in what might have been a reasonable ideology of um, America is both the American government is both clamping down on the rights of black citizens and arrogantly entering this civil war in Vietnam and causing all kinds of havoc there. And what do we do? Like they had good questions that they were asking, but they came up with this fixed answer that centered them, put them in the middle of it, and led them to do things such as um, set a bomb at the Pentagon, set a bomb at the state capitol. And and when I watched the, the movie, it, it just seemed to me like, like, in a way, they were just involved in child's play, although child's play with bombs and with matches. Mm. Well, Eve sort of gloms onto any kind of political action is prevailing at the time for a while. The civil rights, the anti-war movement. She becomes a Reagan Republican in yes, the end. Many, many things happen here. <laughs> uh, an, evangelic, an, an evangelical Christian uh, in the end, all going in whole hog. It, it, it's like, what is she? Tr- is she trying to erase her guilt or herself? That is a great question. Um, I don't know. Um, I... I have a friend a, who was a lovely woman who killed herself just before her 40th birthday. Mm. And this friend had poured herself into so many different movements, um, more in the kind of conservative evangelical Christian world. But, you know, she would go to Africa to hold orphans. She would foster children. She homeschooled. She did so much. And it all seemed so good and then when she took her life, 
all of us were left asking, what had she been looking for? What was that gap there that it seemed like she was trying to pour herself into all of these things outside of herself when something was so broken? And I think that I was probably exploring some of those questions when I was writing about Eve, because I I can tell you some about her psychology, but in the end, I'm not sure why she felt like she had to be so fully committed and immersed in these different kind of distinct and extreme ideologies. Uh, I can't believe we're almost out of time here because I could talk to you for a lot longer about this. But, you know, you're not a boomer. Why did you why, why were you attracted to this boomer story? <laughs> I So I'm a kid. You know, I, I was born in 75. So I grew up in the mid 80s. And, you know, I watched Family Ties every Thursday night and I loved it. Um, So I think that I kind of idolized the 60s, and then it was really interesting to take a deeper dive and recognize that it's a much more complicated story than I had thought through Elise and Michael Keaton. Well, (laughs) and it comes alive in this book. The book is We Are All Good People Here. Susan Rebecca White, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. She's going to be running this town. She's at the Decatur Book Festival on Saturday. She's at Tall Tales Books on Thursday, the Peachtree Street at the Atlanta Public Library on August 24th. And her book launches at the Carter Center this Saturday at 6. Details will leave you with Crying in the Streets, a great civil rights theme from George Perkins as we say goodbye just for now. This is Virginia Prescott with On Second Thought.